Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Well, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to go to the Gospel of John chapter 13. And we want to talk today about harmony with fellow Christians. Uh, we started off in our series with harmony with God. And we talked about harmony in the family last week. And today we want to talk about harmony with fellow Christians. You know, Christian workers, can you think about it for a minute? How many of you have ever taken a job with other Christians and expected there would be none of the conflicts that you had faced in a secular job? You know, he, you would soon be disappointed, I would say. You know, many of the unchristian qualities you had observed in your old job will be also evident in the Christian co-workers that you work around. Even for Christians, harmonious relationships do not come naturally. Each member of the body of Christ must continue to battle selfish desires spawned by our own sinful human nature. Believers must recognize their own inability to relate to each other harmoniously. As Christ is made Lord of these situations, however, harmony is not only possible, church, but it becomes the standard by which believers are known for. Before we begin, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the opportunity to be here today with Your people. Lord, we thank You for Your Word that You have given to us. Father, speak to our lives and our hearts today. Father, I ask as Your servant for the anointing of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, anoint me to give Your Word in a way that pleases You to Your people. Speak through me today, Father. Use me. Speak to each of our lives. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. And do in us as you please, Father, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Harmony with fellow Christians. And really what we want to do today is learn the importance of loving and serving others and make a commitment ourselves to do just that. Amen? Amen. Harmony. We'll look at three points of emphasis this morning in our message. Number one, that the point of emphasis I want to look at is we're to love one another. Can I get an amen? In John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, we have Jesus telling His church this, A new command I give you. Love one another, Jesus says, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So Jesus gives the command to His followers, to His church. And how many know that's you and I today? We are His church, His body. We're His followers. He's our Lord and Master. He's our Savior. We're following Him as a Christian. You know, the word Christian implies that we're a follower of Christ. Amen. And here He charges us. He gives us command. He didn't say, a new suggestion I give unto you. He said, a command. That's pretty strong language. Amen. He said, love one another. Notice he didn't say, love the world. The Bible says in John, Gospel that we're in today, in the third chapter, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. But He tells us, His followers, to do what? Love one another. Mother. Amen. Not just love, but how, how are we to love one another? We're to love one another as He has loved us. He said we must do that. 
It's imperative that we do that. We must love one another on the same level that He loved us. How did God love you and I? How does He love us unconditionally? Can I get a witness? Come on now. He loved us unconditionally. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I was unlovely, when I was unloving, when I was at my worst, when I was at my lowest point in my life, God loved me. I don't know about you, that's comforting to know. No matter where we're at or whatever we've done or gotten involved in, God loves us. And because He loved us unconditionally, meaning without reservation, right where we're at at that time, in our life, He loves us with a love that, that drove His Son to the cross for us on our behalf. To die on the cross for our sin. That's how much He loves us. He died for us. He gave Himself for us. And we're told to have that same love to one toward another. Amen? The same love that He had for us. Now do you know what? That is an impossibility in the natural in the natural realm, in in and of ourselves, in our flesh, in our own nature, you know, you and I cannot do that. It does not come naturally. You know, we we love people, we love others who are, we're in harmony with, right? That we get along with, that think like we do, that agree with us. Amen? You don't make a decision. I think I'm going to leave here today, go out to lunch with somebody I don't get along. Hello? No. But Jesus says we, want, we, we need to love one another with the same love that He has. And, and we can do that, Philippians 4.13, through Christ, who will give us the strength and the ability. We have Him in us if we've been born again. Amen. He's come to live within our hearts. He's in us. He's a part of us. And by His grace, we can do what He's commanded us to do. Notice that word command again. Verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now that's awesome right there. Amen. What does the world often see when they look at the church or they see individual Christians? Do they see harmony? Do they see love? Do they see... Oh no, sometimes we got... Fussing and fighting and moaning and complaining. What was what got God upset with the Israelites when, when He took them out of Egypt? They were in the desert doing what? Murmuring and complaining. Uh oh. You know they're not a disciple when they're doing that. Come on. They're following another master. Come on now. Somebody help me preach in this place. Amen. But He says, All men will know that you're one of mine. When they see your love for one another. Why? Because that's a God thing. That's a God, it's not a human natural thing. It's a God thing. We love others when they love us, right? Do we love others when they're unlovely? Normally we don't. But in Christ we can do that because He's changed us. You know, we can love others because we have received His love in our lives. Now, some of y'all come into faith in a different fashion. Or a different point in time in your life. Okay, I'm going to give you, I can only speak for myself. Okay, before I became a Christian, I didn't know about God. I didn't have any clue that God was who He said He was, that He was real, that that Christianity was was alive, that there was something to this. 
when I got saved and became a believer, became born again, it would be sort of like if you took somebody out of a warm bed under the covers and threw them into a lake full of ice water. Salvation to me was such a, a bombastic experience. It was such a shocking, you know, that I was chained. I mean, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Then there are other people who, who kind of, they grew up in the church, or they grew up in a religious home, and they, they kind of been around the Lord since they were, really, since they were born. And, and they're like, well, you know, I've never really done a lot of bad things or wrong, or I, I've always believed that there was a God, and I, you know. So when they, they, they don't have that same chain. Can't, you know what I'm talking about, brother? Man, I got chained. It was like I was living for the world and for the devil full out, and bam, God got a hold of me. There was a big change. And I remember that. I'll never forget that. Sometimes I think, I, I, always, I know it's better to live for God from the very beginning. But I thank God that I came in the way I did. Because there's a stark contrast that, that can never be forgotten. Somebody said, could you ever lose your faith? Could you ever be an unbeliever? Could you ever turn your back on God? No. No. I may displease the Lord, so, and I pray that I don't, but I, I may do sin, but I pray that I don't. But I can never say there's no God. <laughs> I know better. See, He's changed me. He, His love reached my life. That's what saved me. I walked into a church 40 years ago, and I saw people loving one another. I saw people hugging one another. I saw people caring about one another. And I walked in as a sinner into the sanctuary, and people put their arms around me and said, We love you, brother. Good to have you with us. We love you. We love you. And I, I just, it just shocked me that people like this even existed. What won me to Christ? The love of His people. The harmony that was in the lives of God's people. It attracted me. Like a bug to a bug light. I got zapped. Amen. It's like zap. I said, I need that. I want that. My life had been one of self-serving, self-interest, do my own thing, looking for joy, looking for peace, looking for love in all the wrong places. But I found it in Jesus. Amen? And I found people who were living in harmony with one another. And that, that upset my world paradigm, my apple cart, so to speak, was turned over. We go to 1 John chapter 3, and John, the same author, he's known as the disciple of love, amen? The Apostle John, he's also the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, Scripture says over and over. But in John 3, 1 John 3, I'm sorry, we have this in verse 11, spoken by John. He says, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should what? Love one another. Somebody say amen. How many believe God is into love? What's the one of the shortest verses in the Bible? God is love. He that loveth is what? Born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Amen. So we have this here from the very beginning. We're told to love one another. In verse 14, John says, We know that we have passed from what? Death to life. 
because we love our brothers. Can I get an amen? Come on. Anyone who does not love remains in death or darkness. Death. What What does he mean by that? Does it mean that person's not saved or not? No, no, what he's talking about is you have a choice. You can live by the Spirit of God and be led by the Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. Or you can walk by your own carnal nature, which is nothing but death. You know, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So we don't want to walk in death. We can. We can. But we won't have love, we won't have peace, we won't have a full life. And really that's what John's talking about here. He's talking about loving one another. There's the divine love, that's the emphasis that's put on the believer, the church, by Christ Himself. He says, love one another, amen? And then that's the key, John is telling us, to a full life. You want to have joy, you want to have peace, you want to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, walk in love. There's no law against that. You can't, you can't do away with love. No matter what, love can be. It's an unstoppable force. Somebody say amen. You can't stop love. You can try. You can put a lid on it. You can do it but you can't stop it because it, it, it finds a way to manifest itself. And you and I need to be the, the conduit for God's love to a, to a world around us. And it begins in the house of the Lord. It begins with our brothers. Amen. Oh, that was weak. Come on now. All right. Secondly, our second point. Somebody say, hey, man, he's moving good today. Second point. We're to minister to one another if we're to have harmony with fellow Christians. Minister. What's another word for minister, Tony? Preach. Serve. Serve. Amen. <laughs> to be a minister is a servant. Amen. The greatest among you will be your servant. minister, your servant. Amen. And uh, that's what we're here to do. We're here to, on this earth, in this life, to love and to serve one another. Well, I thought I was here to exert myself over other people. I was talking to them. No, you're here to serve one another. Amen. I'm here to serve. That's another word for a minister is a servant. We want to put everything on a pedestal and, and make it something that it's not. But we're here to serve. In verse... Uh, 9 of Romans 12, Apostle Paul says these words, Love must be sincere. That means real. How many here heard that say? Keep it real. Love must be sincere. How many like fake people? <laughs> we walk up so. ourselves as we really are. How many perfect people we got here? Oh, I better put my hand down. How many perfect people we got here? Nobody. Nobody. Well, why are you holding somebody else up to a standard you don't even live up to? Come on now. 
Amen. All right, we got a couple out of that. Come on. <laughs> if we really put things in perspective, we're saved by grace. Not because God thinks we're somebody. He loves us because of who He is. And He says, I can take that, that is you or me, and make something out of your life. Make you a part of my family. That's what I want to do. And because I love you unconditionally, in spite of who you are, you need to love others the same way. Come on, man. And that will turn a lot of things around. What is the opposite of harmony? Discord. When we have discord, what do we, what do we have? We have, we're saying that I, my way is the right way. My thinking is the right thinking. And I can't consider how others think or how they believe because I'm right. That's pride. We're, t- we're told to do just the opposite. Now let's, let's read on to see here. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, verse 10. Well, let me back up verse 9. He says, hate what is evil, claim to what is good. Be sincere in your love. We're to hold on to the good things. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. I'm to consider my brother more highly than I consider myself. Think about that. Is that something we naturally do? Obviously not. No, we don't. I know I don't. But it's something I have to practice. Amen? I have to put it into practice. Be devoted to one another. Well, you know, you hurt my feelings. I'm not going to speak to you now. Is that devotion? What is that? Oh, come on now. Somebody say he's meddling now. He ain't preaching. You, you know, you, you, you didn't do what I, I wanted you to do. Woman, what's wrong with you? My wife knows I, I have a hard time sometimes on that girl. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> We're selfish, amen? It's my way or the... My way. But that ain't biblical, is it? No, it's not. What if the ACDC has something to say about highway to... Okay. You don't want to be on that highway. Somebody say, get on the Led Zeppelin thing. Get on the stairway to heaven, amen? Oh, yeah. Get off the highway to hell. He really deviate now. We missed the song service. That's what happens, man. I, I got to get the anointing back. <laughs> Look at verse eleven. Never be lacking in zeal. What is zeal? That's enthusiasm. Never be lacking in enthusiasm or be, be or zeal. You know that scripture when Jesus went into the temple to drive out the money changers. The scripture says. The zeal of the Lord hath eaten me up. He was consumed with passion, with desire, with enthusiasm for the things of God. He said, don't be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Amen? That's what we need to do as believers. Now, what does the enemy do? He comes in and he offers a counterfeit to the real. We're to walk in in a ministry and a service of love, a heart of love toward one another. And we see just the opposite often in the church. We see self-promotion. We see self-aggrandizement. We see, I want me, me, myself, and I. Come on now. There's no I in servant. 
Oh, I better move on now. Put them rocks down back here in that back row. Come on. It says, "Be." Look, this is wonderful scripture here. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. One verse, verse 13, or verse 12, I'm sorry. He says, joyful in what? Hope. Now notice these action words. Be joyful. That's something you do, amen? Be joy. Be patient. That's something you what? You exercise. You have to do. And be faithful. That's something we do. Three action words. But look what they correspond to. Joyful in hope. Why do you have to have hope? Why do you need hope in your life as a believer? Because it don't look good. I mean, when things don't look good, you need hope. What does hope do for you as a Christian? It says there's a better day ahead. There's a better time ahead. There's a better experience ahead. There's better things ahead in God. And He's telling us to be joyful when you feel hopeless. That doesn't make sense, does it? Oh, but it is. It does. When, when we realize who, who we're walking with in, in terms of God, He orchestrates our lives and the events of our lives. And He says you can be joyful in hope. Maintain hope. I'm going to have a better day tomorrow. What happens when a believer loses hope? Bad thing. Real bad. How does your spiritual life go when you have no hope? It's like a ship without a rudder. I mean, you're like a, 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 a sailboat without a sail. You, you, you're stuck. Have you been stuck before? I know I have. Hope. We, we begin to lose hope because we, 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 we get off of God and we get our eyes on other things. Amen? We said, be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Affliction. Well, preacher, we want you to get up and give us a word faith message and tell us everything's going to be good and how we're going to be blessed. And how, well, I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you right now. Patient. And why do you need patience? Why would you need to exercise patience? Because you're in a situation. I'm in a situation that is making me lose my patience. I don't lost my. I don't lose my mind right now. Go off on something. Why do I have to do that? What does God say? Go ahead and give a piece of your mind. Go ahead. There's a there's a devil on your shoulder. Sometimes I listen to him a lot, a little bit too much. Go ahead and tell him what you really think. Well, say the Lord. I think the Lord. Let me tell you what I. I'll give you a piece of my mind. I'll give it out a few mind pieces. How many? How much? Does it work good for you? <laughs> no, it don't. Let me tell you. As you leave, go ahead and tell them. Yeah, you tell them. You... Little devil sitting right there on the shoulder. You know what I'm talking about, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> Patience. In a... Have you ever been afflicted? You're in affliction? What's an affliction? Something that's messing with you? Bugging you? Unnerving you, something that's making you want to fly, and, and let me just straighten this right, you know. I, I, and what happens? We lose our patience. We 
We let the flesh take command. And we do not accomplish the things of God in that. And we get in more trouble. But he's telling us here to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Why does God let you be afflicted? Why does He let you get a point where you despair and lose hope? He's trying to get you off of you and onto Him. He tries to get us off of our self-reliance onto relying on the Holy Spirit. And the only way we can do that is if we relinquish control. You know, that's a, that, 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 that's a hard thing to do. You mean I got to humble myself and, and just let myself be abused or let somebody walk over me or let somebody have their way and I don't get to have mine? Well, maybe sometimes, yeah. Man, y'all ain't shouting. Nobody's shouting on me now. Come on, help me preach. This is a hard message now. Come on, help me. Sometimes we do. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And what will he do? He that humbles himself will be exalted. He that exalts himself will be comforted. Oh, you got, didn't get that one right. I'll take you back to school on that. Now notice he says, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That's very important. We need to continue to pray when things aren't going well in our life. How many, how many of you today can sit here? I mean, I mean, honestly, your life is just uh, like going down the railroad tracks and everything's smooth, everything's fine. You don't have no problem, no bumps, nothing. Nothing in the way, nothing. Everything just, you're just loving life. Anybody? I'm sure, 58. Your life's a piece of cake. It's, it's a walk in the park, ain't it? You don't have no, you're saved going to heaven. You don't have to worry about anything. Everything's good. Not, I mean, that's not the real world, is it? But he, Paul is saying here, we need to be faithful in prayer. That's one of that's the main area, if you ask me, that undergirds everything else. How often are we faithful in our prayer, in our meeting, and, and spending time with the Lord, and talking to the Lord, and hearing from the Lord? If if we examine our life, often we act without prayer. Often we do without consulting. Often we speak without hearing from God. We do what's right in our own eyes. Come on now. And what happens? We get in, we get in more difficult spots. We get in more trouble. We're talking about uh, ministering to one another in harmony with fellow Christians. You know, we can... I turned on the television this morning as I usually do when I get up early. See kind of what's going on in the world, and then uh, turn that off and spend time with the Lord. Kind of go through a ritual. They had two preachers on television this morning: a, a Catholic spokesman, a priest, and they had a Protestant, and they were all talking about uh, taking in. People from other countries, Muslim countries specifically. That was the, the, the discussion. And it's something that you need to, I mean, prayer, understanding. You know, as a nation, we're talking about getting along with one another, harmony. Sometimes we think being passive or 
others means we, we don't have any discipline or any type of standard that we go by. Okay, that's not true. Okay. But the one fellow was talking about we just need to let everybody in because that's what Jesus would do. We need to love everybody. Now that sounds good on the surface, doesn't it? Sounds biblical, right? You know, the priest is saying that. He father so and so, we need to love and let everybody in. The other guy said, well, we need to verify who comes in before we let somebody in. Which one is correct? Verify. Now let me ask you what. Jesus had how many disciples? Twelve. Why didn't he have two hundred? Or, or, or fifty? Or, or why didn't he let thirteen in? He had, a, he had a reason, didn't he? Did he let everybody come into his life? No. We, we follow God's plan. Now, His obedience to the Father provides salvation to every person on this planet. He, he, he literally will touch anyone on this planet and everyone on this planet. I mean, John said He's the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Christ. But we trust, we verify, you know, we, we don't just let people that want to do us harm into the country just because they said they want to be here. We have, we have to go through due process. And, and the president is doing what? He's protecting his people first by verifying. And there's no sin in that. There's no crime in that. So we, we don't just love others by allowing them to walk over top of us, okay? That's not what Christ is saying. But we're, we're too have a real, genuine love for people to the point we're willing to place them ahead of us. That, that's, a, that's a difficult task. I don't believe that can be done humanly on our own. I believe it takes the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to allow us to do that. We learn to do that in the home. We learn to do that in the church. If we can't get along with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, how are we going to reach out to a world? How are we going to reach a world? We, we won't. So we must. It's imperative. And we'll go over to 1 Peter chapter 4 as we talk about ministering to one another and having harmony with fellow Christians. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8. I'm giving you a lot of scripture here this morning. A lot of New Testament here. Amen. Peter says this. We talked with John the Apostle and Paul the Apostle. Now we're looking at the Apostle Peter. He says, above all. How many believe he means what he says and says what he means? Above all. That's pretty strong language, right? Amen. Love each other deeply. Because love covers what? Multitude of sin. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Must be the other guy's sin, right, Tony? I wouldn't have any, right? We wouldn't have none, would we, brother? Love covers a multitude of sin. Above all, love each other deeply. Now, look what it says here. Fervently in the King James. Love each other fervently. John says this. He that says he has no sin is a liar. But if we confess our sin, he that is Christ is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all. He's talking to the church, the body of Christ. 
I have sinned. I need daily cleansing. I need daily forgiveness. My biggest sin is right here. Okay, Man, I let it fly. And, and, and that ain't good. Somebody say amen or oh me, one or the other. It is usually here. But it, it doesn't start here. This is just a mouthpiece of what? Of what's in here. From the abundance of the heart. The mouth, the mouth speaking. speaking. So, I can't love that person. You know what they did to me or they said to me. Well, do you realize what you've done to God? You have done to God and said to God and been to God? Have you really realized that? You can love anybody. I'm serious now. I started this message by giving you my own experience. When I got saved, it's like being thrown into a lake of ice water, coming out of a warm, toasty bed. And I was just shocked into the kingdom, man. It was everything was new. But I'll never forget that. Jesus said, he that forgives is one who's been forgiven much. Amen? If you love much, you've been forgiven much. Amen? God forgave me of such heinous behavior and sin. Unreservedly forgave me. Somebody said, well, y'all Christians just mind over it. No, he, he, he forgave. I know he did. Gave me eternal life. So I'm walking in newness of life. Somebody comes along and doesn't know God. And, uh, let alone somebody who does, how, how can I hold something on them? I don't want to be around this person. They kind of crazy, you know. They, they... What do we forget? Who we are? Who are you really? Apart from God, you're nobody. I'm nobody. I'm worthy of death. I should be in hell. But He He, he rescued me from that. And if we walk in His love, we can help rescue other people from that same situation. We don't have to. We don't have to look condescendingly on anybody. We should not. But rather, we should say, "There go I." But by the grace of God, I was in that situation. Amen. You know, we talk about our sister with her son with the drugs and all that. Been there, done that. Come on. Unless you've been in that situation, you don't understand. Or you maybe you do. You have a comprehension because God might have saved you from some other type of sin or other type of behavior. What's the worst thing we can do when we look at other believers is we think, well, we're better than they are somehow. Well, you know, at least I don't live like that. I don't do that. Man, you better watch yourself. Come on, man. I remember one time, this is a true story. I was just a young man, been saved a few years, serving God in the church. And the uh, church was going through like a split. How I many know what I'm talking about? You know, churches kind of do their thing sometimes. They get a little contention and problem. And that, we're talking about harmony. Because there's no harmony there when it splits, right? <laughs> you got a problem. You got a problem. And the one lady was in the foyer, and I was just a young Christian. These were all people much older than me, too. You know. Ah, that preacher, he's he's he shouldn't even be preaching. He don't even belong in the pulpit. She's talking out loud. There's all these people in the foyer. There's probably three or four hundred people in the church. You know, she, Look at his kids there. That one kid, he was smoking dope. They caught him. The police got him. High school kid. He ain't fit to be a preacher. But the Bible says you got to have your house in order. His house ain't in order. And other people are like, oh, boy, yeah, that's right. He, 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 he ain't in order. We talk about walking in love now. Come on. 
His other son, I saw him down there with a girl from his school. They were, they were naked in the, in the back of the car. I saw him. It was him. He ain't fit to be no preacher. He ought not be here. We got to get rid of that guy. He was in, both kids were in high school. They gave him, they lamp blasted. A lot of people chimed in. That's no, that's no love, right? Walking in love. What, what if it's true? Is it true? Was it true? Yeah, those things were true. But not the way they were perceiving. Now let me, let me give you an example. He had those, those boys in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. They were going through a rebellious mode in their life. They were doing things they should not have been doing. The father, whatever he would do behind the pastor, behind the scenes in their home to correct him, he did whatever he did, but they were there every week. Okay? Make a long story short, the, the little rebellion or the coup didn't last. The pastor stayed. The people left. They started another church. Oh, uh, and that church didn't even exist today. Start a church based on wrong presumptions. Think about that. Now, what, what about the, the pastor and, the, and, and what, what, what became of that? See, they didn't walk in love. That's what I'm talking about here today. And they didn't walk in harmony with their fellow Christians. They broke ranks. They made accusations. They they judged. The Bible tells us not to judge before the time. Both those boys, one is a music director in a large church today. Big assembly of God. The other's a pastor of the church. The one that was the smoking the dope. Why? Because the dad had his house in order. He had them. He was doing what he could do with them. The Bible says if you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they'll not depart. And those men are in church. Now, if they had listened to the accusers and the detractors, they'd have thrown the preacher out and his family and everything else. We're to walk in love, amen? You know, we, people go through problems, even pastors. People go through family difficulties. They go through, you know, well, you ought to see how they raise their kid. What kind of parent is... You better be careful what you say. Because you got a kid... <laughs> You don't want to say nothing accusatory about somebody else. I learned something about that. When I watched, I was just a 20-year-old boy watching these 40-something-year-old argue over this preacher and his kids. And I thought, man, I don't, I, you know, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do that. I probably would have brought judgment on myself and my own family had I done something like that. I said, let me wait and see how this... And you know what? Over time, years, I mean, it, it, it worked out fine. For him. For his family. And for the church. Amen. Walk in love. It says here that we're to be joyful in all those things. And Peter says to love each other deeply. And love will cover a multitude of sins. What if they had just chosen to love those boys who were in rebellion? Wouldn't that have been a bit more appropriate? Why accuse the preacher of not being a good man or, or being out of order? What are you looking at? The fact some, some, when, when you when you go to the doctor 
because you hurt your leg or your arm? Are you, are you out of order because you, you, you're there to fix something that's broke? Why? Because things can get broke. Things can go wrong. You can get sick. We all face those things. And we need, I like what he says, we need to love one another deeply. We, a little love will go a long way. A little love goes a long way. Amen? I like this here. Verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. King James says without grudging. Don't grumble, murmur, or complain. Amen? Be hospitable. What does that mean? To be hospitable. Kind. To be kind. To be kind to one another. Hospitable. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Now notice he didn't say each one should pray that God would give him a gift. Does he say that? What does that text say? That each one, as what one? Believer, each believer has already received gifting from God. We need to use. Do you know you have a gift? You may have more than one. <laughs> I'm sure you do, really. One thing God gave me as a young man, and I didn't realize it until like I had gotten married and started, you know, socializing with other married people and so forth. I love to cook. That's just something I like to do. Now I'm not a, a I don't compete with the I I don't bake, I don't make cakes and cookies and all these things. I, I don't know how to do all of that. But I like to eat. I mean that's kinda obvious, right? I like to do I start off like grilling things. You know, we like I like to take a piece of meat and marinate it or put some spice on it and let it sit and then grill it or cook it or whatever. And that kind of evolved and trying to make different type of dishes and that's a motivation or a gift in, a, in, in an inclination in a certain area. I like to have people over and like to entertain and, have, and be hospitable and say, hey, let's have a meal. Let's, you know. And uh, some people don't do that. I mean, that's just something I believe God gave. But when I got into the church with that, uh, I used to do breakfasts. And we, we moved up here to uh, West Virginia and get, just continued on. I'd do breakfasts and then big dinners for the whole church. You know, I would cook things for the church and I became known in Warrenville as the cooking guy. You know, I mean, I, they, they, they wanted to throw uh, an event. They, they get Brother Jerry. He'll handle that. He'll do the he'll cooking. He'll, he'll cook for, you know, 100 people, whatever. And we did that regularly. Super Bowl parties, everything. We did, and I, I like to do it. Enjoyed the hospital, hospitality and, and the giving of that gift. And, and that's, that's just a part of who I am. So everyone has something to give or contribute to others. Amen? And really, that's what Peter's saying here. Use that gift that you've received. Use it to bless others with. Faithfully administering God's grace. Now notice what he says here. In its various forms. You know, not everybody does the same thing. As a matter of fact, I, I uh, uh, make certain that we don't. I mean, we have all different ways of serving other believers. We're talking about harmony in, with other Christians. You know, something goes wrong with my car, I'm calling Robbie. I say, hey man, i got a problem here. Why? He has a gift, he has a knack for how to fix a car. 
I don't do that. I, I, I break the car. <laughs> Robbie probably ain't going to mess up in the kitchen for a hundred people. You know what I'm saying? That's just not, not uh, his, his expertise. Which one is better? Whatever one you need at the time. <laughs> when you're hungry, you don't need an auto mechanic. When you're broke down, you don't need a Big Mac. Hello? <laughs> Everyone has something. And when we contribute what we have been given by the Lord to the body, we have a sense of purpose and of belonging. And there's harmony there. You know, there's we're working together is really what's going on. We're ministering and the motivation is love. Amen? We use that gift faithfully and administer that grace in its various forms. The King James says manifold. means many, many ways that we use those gifts. And thirdly and lastly, if we're going to have harmony with fellow Christians, we need to live in peace. Can I get an amen? Peace. I mean, like that, the P word, peace. Uh, that's a good thing. Remember back in the 60s and the peace. Peace. That peace signs. Remember that? Peace. Peace, brother. Okay, man. Artificial peace. Amen. I like peace as the Lord giveth. Amen, brother. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Amen. Preaching now, brother. Some of my 60s folk ain't remember that either. Yeah, I remember that. I remember I was just a little child, right? Teresa said I was just a little child back then. But I remember that. <laughs> Baby child. He signs everywhere. I remember uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Unfortunately, we do, we do remember some things. Moving on. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. We, we hear Paul talking about living in peace. In order to live peace, two things we got to do. Uh, number one, we have to reject evil. Yeah, just like evil. If we're going to live in peace. And number two, we have to embrace good. We have to do both of those things. Reject evil and embrace the good. Now in Ephesians 4.26, and this is very important, dealing with harmony with fellow Christians. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago, harmony with God. That was the name of my message. Last week was harmony with in the home. Come on. Come on, help me there. And this week, harmony with fellow Christians. God, family, church. Amen? Very important. And there's a lot of scriptures. We, we're moving you all over the Bible here. Come on. Paul says this, In your anger do not sin. Verse 26 of chapter 4. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Or as King James said, don't give place to the devil. Don't give him a foothold. In your anger, do not sin. Is it a sin to be angry? Well, it's about to be angry, but sin not. What is he warning us then here? Don't be angry. When you're angry, don't be sin. Don't sin. Do not sin. How I many if somebody does something wrong to you, you're gonna get what? Anger. Is that is that is that normal? What does he mean by don't sin? And then he goes on to say, don't let the sun go down 
while you're angry or on your wrath. That's King James. Don't let the sun. What happens when we get angry generally? We've been offended by something or someone. Correct? Come on, so help me now. And what what are we offended by? It doesn't really matter, but we're offended in our heart and our spirit. And we, 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 it's our person, our, our self that's upset. Hello? It may be a righteous indignation. It may be whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter what it is. But we get upset. And he says, don't... Now this, this is good if you're married. You fellas and women know what I'm talking about. You're going to get mad at your spouse as well as your fellow Christian. You're going to get mad at some point. Don't go to bed mad. I remember the old guys telling me that when I was a young Christian. They said, oh, don't, don't. And what happens if you do? What do cows do when they're eating in the pasture? They do something that's called ruminating. Anybody heard that term, ruminating? Chewing the cud. You know what I'm talking about? Ruminating is, is you keep chewing something over and over again. Chewing and chewing. Up. You ever watch the cows? All they do is chew. They, that's called ruminating. Now, in the, in, as it pertains to human beings, we ruminate oftentimes when we're angry. Well, I know I'm preaching to me now. I don't know about y'all. I'm like, you know what I, I, they did this and said, and I'm just, and you just get more, what do you get more angry, don't you? What happens when you go to bed on that anger? And you wake up the next day, what happens? You're even more angry. You're even more irritated, agitated, and upset. I don't even want to see that individual. If I see him, I'm going to... What's happened? You've done gone to bed on your anger. Hello? And this began to ruminate. And that will just eat you up. You'll be, it'll be like a canker sore, man. It'll just eat you up on the inside. And you will get upset and angry and to the point where that's all you see. What happens when you see that person again that upsets you? And you've been ruminating. You've been laying down on that anger, sleeping on it. What happens? Oh, brother, I, I love you. Oh, I, it's just like, how many of you got the hard looks? You know? They give you the evil eye, you know, the fish eye. We, we shouldn't be doing that. Come on. Hello? Hello? How many know that? Biblically, we not we don't let the sun go down. Don't don't let what happened? Paul talked about it that as a root of what? Bitterness springing up and you will spoil the whole spring. Just a root. What do we do? Now if you're not breathing in here, you you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many, know, how many have lived it? I know I have many times. And what Paul is saying here is real. This is very real. And 
unless we deal with those issues. And, and in a marriage, you know, I, I don't go to bed angry with the wife because I, I've already learned that that's not a good thing. You don't you don't come out on top doing that. No, no. And it doesn't do well with fellow believers. And it's a poor light to those who don't know Christ. They see that. That's what the devil sitting on their shoulders is going to point out. Well, look at the people supposed to be saved. They don't even get along with each other. They won't even ride on the same bus. They won't sit on the same side of the church. They won't shake each other's hands. Look at that. And then what happens? That, do those people who have that in their spirit, they stop growing. They stop moving forward. They stagnate. Why? God said they got to deal with that. Somebody say, Amen. Don't let the sun go down. Do not give the devil a foothold. Why? Once we let him into our thoughts and, and into our, it could be pride. Well, I, I, I they, you know, who am I that they should say this to me or do this? Yeah, that's that. Who, who doesn't matter? But we let him in. We crack the door. What happens? The enemy comes right in, takes control of your mind and your thoughts. Amen. Verse twenty-eight. He talks about harmony with fellow Christians and how many know in the body of Christ you'll have those who contribute and help and, and are helpful and those who are a drag and, and who take and do nothing. Amen? And that's what he's addressing in the Christian community at large. He says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. See, we have to do things by rejecting evil and we embrace that which is good. Now, what does he mean by that? There were people in the community, the church community at Ephesus who were not pulling their fair share. They were letting other people take care of them. They were letting other people feed them, clothe them, house them, and they weren't doing anything but just receiving. And he says, and he said, by doing that, you're really stealing from the community. You're stealing from the church. He said, don't do that. If you're stealing, don't steal anymore. You must work. How many know God created us to work? When He created Adam, He put him in the garden. He, he said, this is a garden. You're in paradise, but I want you to dress it, to till it, to work it. And bring me some fruit. Amen. We think work is a curse. No, it's curse when we have to do it by the sweat of our brow. But work is a good thing. God gives us all the work to do. It makes us feel useful and gives us a sense of purpose in life. Amen? Amen. But uh, he said, you need to work if you've not been working so that you may have something to share with those who are in need. In other words, work with your own hands so that you can contribute to the community, the greater community, the fellowship of believers. Amen? Have something to contribute that you've done, that you've contributed, and God will bless you for that. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Everybody know what that is? Come on now. We don't have the explanation on that, do we? We know what, we know what he means. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only, this is what should come out, that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not your needs, their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So in other words, don't gossip or complain about somebody else and, and or their behavior or what they have done or do or, or haven't done. Rather, build them up. Use your words to build up, to edify, and it will bless those who hear. You know, they don't want to hear you complain. Amen? Nobody wants to hear that. It will build up. It will benefit those who listen. 
And look at verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit of God? By doing just what He said don't do. Amen. We do the opposite. Murmur, complain, and uh, have unwholesome talk coming out of our mouth. Not building other people up. That grieves the Holy Spirit. He said, rather don't do that with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, the Holy Spirit is living in you. He's living in me. Amen. And we're to be like Him. Be like Jesus. Walk like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. And he, we do Him well when we do that. When we do the opposite, we grieve Him. He said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 31. Again, we have to reject evil and embrace the good. He says, get rid of... That's something we do, right? Come on. Get rid of some bitterness, some rage, some anger. Somebody said what? Oh, that's, did, I, did I misread that? I misquoted that. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. That's, that's the one that gets me. I'm bombastic, man. I have to temper myself. Beat my body under subjection. My wife said, I'll help you. Let me get a baseball bat. Hallelujah. See, man, when you got a quiet man around the house, you better watch out, ladies. Come on, man. How many of the quiet ones are the ones you got to watch out for? Because eventually they're going to explode. They just hold everything. It's just building up like a bottle. You know what I'm saying? Boom. I kind of like to like, I ain't going to deal with this. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to just ignore this. I'm going to ignore that. What's happening? I'm just shaking up on this. I'm not going to handle it. No, I'm gonna, I don't want to see that. I don't want to deal with that. And then when you deal with it, what happens? Boom! It's better It's better to just deal with it as you go. Amen? Any, any, any personal amen out there? Come on. Help me, Lord. Amen. Get rid of all of that rage and anger, brawling and slander. Is he talking to church folks? The epistle to the Ephesian church. Ah. I come into church one Sunday, I swear I had two brothers getting ready to kill each other. Brawling at the altar. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Fellas, we're in church. Somebody said, no, that ain't, that ain't uh, that's true. That's <laughs> a true story. How do you get to that point? Two Christian men get ready to go to fisticuff in the middle of the church. Is that ridiculous? I agree it is. It's, 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 uh, how do we get it? You know what? Let me tell you how. Just, just, just very without being specific. It's called flesh. I want my way, and the other was I want my way. But neither one said, what's God's way? I want my way. He wants His way. And the preacher come in, well, let me tell you why my way is the right way, preacher. This is how we need to... And the other one, let me tell you why this way. I say, you know, you're both wrong. You're both... I told sit him. down. I told him to sit outside the door. Sit down. I'll be, take, I'll be calling ambulance. <laughs> Get 
flesh. Now, we can't love one another and, and, and honor one another and esteem each better than ourselves if we're trying to have our way. Who cares if you're right or not right? It doesn't really matter. That, that's a condition. Why do we get in those situations? God allows us to get there to reveal where we're at. One of those men stopped going to church. Another one kept going. One man received instruction and correction. The other man did not. Just something to think about. Get rid of that. Every form of malice. Look at verse 32. We'll close on that verse. And again, I say, Paul, uh, by the anointing of the Spirit, writes this. He says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. To who? One another. Forgiving each other just as Christ in God forgave you. If I have to forgive somebody, that must mean that they did something wrong. The issue is not who did something wrong or didn't. The issue is forgiveness. I don't have to forgive somebody if they didn't do anything wrong. Well, I've actually done that, but sometimes you just do that because you don't, you don't want anything to be. Come on there. You and I today, church, we can point accusing fingers at a carnal church. We can list examples of unliving, unloving behavior, just like I did a moment ago, between fellow believers. But our real attention should be directed inward to ourselves. Our own failure to show Christ's love is as blameworthy as any shortcomings we think that we see in others. When we as individuals begin to change, the church can become all that it was intended to be. We do not have within us the ability to love as Christ first loved us. We don't. It's not natural. That love is a selfless love, a sacrificial love. Christ had that as He went to the cross. We, on the other hand, church, we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to display that love. I want to give you a little illustration here concerning the fruit of the Spirit. As mentioned in Galatians 5.22. We're all familiar with that. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, goodness, temperance. Against what? Or self-control. Against what? Which there is no law. But I want us to read that a little differently. I think it reads different than we read it traditionally. Okay. Now consider this for a moment. I really believe the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. The other eight gifts are a result of love. Love was mentioned first. Love. If you have love for one another, you will have peace. Did you know that? If you have love, you're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. You'll have gentleness and goodness. Love is really the, the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Love. Finally, we don't... 
I want to ask you this, do you have a heart for ministry or service? Do you honestly want to serve others more than yourself? Do you know, church, that's a work of God if it's true. That is a work of God. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. You can live in harmony with all of God's children. You can't. By allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you. I want you to do one thing today as we close. And you can stand on your feet here. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to remove any counterfeit love and replace it with the real deal in Christ, in your life. Pray that spiritual gifts will be used in you for the edification of the church. And pray that God's love will help you have harmony with other believers. Make that your prayer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.